This is Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat and author of Ball of the Boston Celtics. Thank you yet again for downloading the number one podcast on the web dedicated to the NBA's winningest franchise, Celtics Beat. CLNS Radio truly values your patronage. Because of your loyalty to making Celtics Beat the most downloaded weekly Celtics podcast online, we would love to offer a free copy of my critically acclaimed book available at clnsradio.com slash lhrbook. That's clnsradio.com slash lhrbook. Happy reading and enjoy today's broadcast. Today is Sunday, May 1st, 2016. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio, and I am Larry H. Russell. You can put it on the board. Yes, no, whatever. The 2015-16 Boston Celtics campaign is now in the bank. Now in the history books, 48-34 in the regular season. First round series loss in six games. The Atlanta Hawks, now just another season in their basketballreference.com index. The 2016 season is over for Boston. But not as here on Celtics Beat. There is no offseason. We go the 52, as we always have for the four years we've been on the air. Not ready to do our official season and review show just yet. Give us, I think, another week. I still want to talk about Game 6. Put a bow on the series with CLNS Radio Celtics locker room reporter Jared Weiss. And later in our Celtics Beat featured interview, dear friend of this podcast and most notably the best journalist in the history of our great sport, loves Bob Ryan. He'll be back on the show yet again for episode number 155 of Celtics Beat, which this week is being presented to you by Casper. Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. Get $50 off any mattress purchased by visiting casper.com slash Celtics and enter promo code Celtics. Thank you, Casper, for sponsoring today's show and, of course, AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. Want to rock and roll right away with Jay Weiss. He's here here at that screech. Audience, you guys, I know you're very aware of what Jared does for the network. So, Jared, hang on. I, I searched the queue, and look what we got. I found this baby in the switchboard. So why have me give you the shout-outs when we got this? Roll it! I'm Jared Weiss, host of the Garden Report Celtics postgame show, which is the only full-length, high-definition postgame show shot in the garden after every Celtics home game. I'm joined by a rotating crew of some of the best reporters covering the Celtics after every game. The Garden Report takes you inside the locker room with player and coach interviews in full high-definition. So subscribe to the CLNS Radio YouTube channel by going to youtube.com slash CLNS Radio to catch every episode of the Garden Report and every full-length coach and player press conference at each Celtics home game. You can also listen to The Garden Report and all the player interviews as a podcast by subscribing to The Garden Report on iTunes and Stitcher or by visiting the CLNS Radio app in the App Store. All right, you just heard him taped. Now here he is live. Jared Weiss, CLNS Radio, Celtics Locker Room Reporter, host of The Garden Report on the CLNS Radio YouTube channel, youtube.com slash CLNS Radio, youtube.com slash CLNS Radio as well as his own Celtics-centric podcast, the WEEI Celtics podcast, powered by the leading online provider of audio-video coverage, CLNS Radio itself, and like this broadcast, available on the CLNS Radio mobile app. Free download for your iPhone or Android. Jared, which uh, we're going to play a little Russian roulette right off the bat here. What, which, who should sponsor? Should we, should we go with SeatGeek sponsoring this interview? 
Why not? I mean, there's no more Celtics tickets to buy, but I'm sure there'll be. I mean, I'm going to see Buckethead next week. If anybody wants to get tickets for that, you can go to SeatGeek. I know. Yeah, I was going to say uh, Red Sox tickets. Uh, of course, also, too, the audience isn't just uh, a Boston-based audience. But promo code CELTICSPEED, all one word. Now, what we can get. Yeah, no more games. Game six was this past Thursday. You want to give any final game six takeaways? I mean, what was sort of the case? Were they out of gas? Atlanta was just better. Boston was too banged up. Boston just didn't have enough to counter what the Hawks gave. I mean, this as general as a question as it gets. All four. I mean, just just all of it. This series was kind of robbed of, of its dignity when Avery Bradley went down, and that's it's going to be Brad Stevens's Kendrick Perkins out for Game Seven, uh, a la Doc Rivers uh, for the, the next few years until they finally win a series. Uh, they definitely would have had a really good shot at winning this series, and I think they probably would have won it if they had at least a healthy Bradley. I mean, you thought they would have won it. I think so. I mean, it, while obviously the series sure. was ended up being pretty lopsided, they did get the six games. And Bradley, the difference between Avery Bradley and Terry Rozier, who I'd say pretty much filled his role in Marcus Smart a little bit, it's a there's it's a pretty huge gulf. I think Bradley is overall probably the most reliable player on the team outside of Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder. And then, of course, you're playing with a 50% Jay Crowder. And I know Kelly Olenek said he was 80% yesterday. Uh, he was like 2% for the series. I was ready to ask you how much you thought the team missed Avery Bradley. I would, would say that sort of answers that question on its own. You thought they would have won the series with Avery Bradley. I heard you talk about it on the Garden Report after Game 6 this past Thursday, but I never really insinuated to the fact that you felt they would have had enough to beat Atlanta, especially on that show. You just thought the same way that you thought Atlanta is going to give Cleveland a run for the money. That, that, that says a lot about Boston. If you legitimately thought they were an Avery Bradley injury away. I mean, I know they desperately missed his outside shooting at times. They missed his defense on Teague. Although Teague was slowed down enough where that, that looked that was going to be incredibly problematic when that injury happened. Looks like they missed more so of his shooting, but even yeah. if they had that shooting, Jared, they got mashed in games five and six. I mean, those games was, were not competitive. It was hor- it was horrifying, and the the I don't care what the final score in game six was. They got beat by thirty in that right. game. They did. That's the yeah. classic Brad Stevens late comeback nonsense that they have a tendency to do a lot at home where they're down by. Th- There's some games where they had a game against the Clippers last year in the regular season. I feel like they've done it a few times this year as well. It's just not ringing at the top of my head. Classic well, down by 30, late run, and make a 10, 12-point game, 104-92, I believe the final was. But they got mashed in game six. I'm not sure Avery Bradley would have been the difference when they were pretty much – they were done after game four. Not only that, they would have had a one five or six or game seven. You got to win me a little bit more on Avery Bradley would have been the difference and just a few outside shots going down would have made all the difference in the world. I know they couldn't hit the broad side of the barn, especially in game six, but I mean, I just don't see Avery Bradley giving you like 25 or 30 that you probably would have needed in either of those games. Yeah, I mean, well, I, the thing is, let's say Avery Bradley never goes down, then you're not. I don't think you're really looking at those game five and six scenarios where you're looking at it from the perspective of would he be able to make up for those points? You know, the tone, the entire course of the series would be different. It's hard to imagine if you, they had Avery Bradley out there that they would have had that beginning of game two blunder that really that really set the tone for the rest of the series, where it's basically the Celtics playing catch up for most most of the next five games, and it was a matter of how deep of a hole that they let themselves fall into. And they looked so much like the pre-developed Boston Celtics that 
that really kind of it seemed like were fixed after the second half of the season, but they showed up again once they faced a really just like a great executing and perfectly just well oiled machine in Atlanta. Um, but the 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 places where I thought missing Avery really killed them was first off. He's he is pretty much their most reliable outside shooter, and I'd say and Olinick when he was healthy was one of the top three point shooters efficiency wise in the league. So not having those two guys out there meant that their offense was like completely. Drebko more than washed away Olinick. Yeah, Drebko yeah, is yeah. awesome. Yeah, and that's I think that's that's one of the, the silver lining focuses you can look at over the summer is that Drebko was just phenomenal and definitely marginalized the the, ne- the necessity of Kelly Olynyk. But if they want to win a playoff series, they need both of those guys to be doing what they do well. Yeah, I got to give credit to Ryan Bernardoni on his appearance on Celtic Stuff Live. Kevin O'Connor, I believe, threw the name around. I sort of made a crack about it with Chris Forsberg after Game One when they were throwing around Jonas Drebko's name being a key player in the series. And that was the case after game one. He didn't have the best shooting night. I believe he had a pretty good plus minus. But I was sort of, was sort of laughing after game one going, you know, geez, you know, I don't think you're in a good position of a team if you start pinpointing Jonas Jarepko as a key player. But I got to give credit to those guys. And, of course, you know, you got to give credit to Jarepko himself. The defense that he provided throughout the series, he really, the home games, the three and four, he was, that, that home crowd, he really fed off that crowd. Actually, going to be sort of interesting going forward. Just sort of rekindling. Sort of, it's going to be interesting going forward with him. Earlier in the year, he looked like a guy like, oh, geez, just I can't wait till he, I don't have to watch him play basketball anymore. Now he seems to be sort of a guy at a bargain for five million dollars, not a guaranteed contract next year. But I, I'd be hard pressed to see Danny Ainge not picking that up. I mean, the only reason they wouldn't pick it up is if they need to shed the salary to fit in Kevin Durant. Not, I don't want. Yeah, I was go trying not to go say, Spurs, yeah, go. Yeah, it, it, there, and there's lots of other guys that they can fit into those holes. But Jarebko at five million, one of the best deals in the NBA for a you know for an eighth man. I mean, that's five million is going to be yeah, you know, pennies that's on the pennies. dollar next year. Yeah, that that that's going to be absolute pennies. I mean, you're talking. I I, I don't want to I don't want to steal Bob Ryan's thunder because we got him coming in, and I definitely want to look more towards the off season. But it's hard not to talk about this series without talking about Jared Sullinger, and I want to talk first. Was we look ahead of the offseason, I definitely want to discuss this with our featured guest, Bob Ryan, about it. But I don't want to steal, as I said, I don't want to steal his thunder. But it's hard not to talk about this series uh, without talking about Jared, not you, uh, Mr. Selinger. I hope not. In $15 million, that seems to be the number that's going to be thrown around. Kevin Pelton said this that on this broadcast. I don't even think if it's a case with money. It's just the case of, is he really worth the investment? At this point, on one end, this is the lasting memory we have of him, or at least as of now, is a series where he was a complete non-factor in. And you knew he was going to be a non-factor. And going all the way back to that regular season game against Atlanta, the final Saturday of the season, you knew he couldn't match up against Atlanta. And you guys were discussing it on the Garden Report as well after Game 6, why he played that much. And you guys had your theories as to why. I thought it came down to simply this. I don't think you guys mentioned it. I thought it was as simple as Brad Stevens didn't want to tick him off going in a free agency and benching him in quite possibly his only playoff series. You guys were talking about saving him for a potential matchup with Cleveland. I believe Kevin brought that up. But I thought, I mean, Brad didn't want to deal with any fallout with Jared Sullinger going in a free agency and basically getting completely benched for the series, picking up DNPs, which he should have been. I, You know, I honestly don't believe that. One, from the point that I think that Brad has pretty reliably taking guys completely out of the rotation and then plug them back in. And it's not in a, not in a playoff recently. series, on but the, yeah, like this a is a free agency. Situation. I mean, that's, 
Yeah, but it's a risky thing I don't, to do. You, I, 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 I really, I really, truly would believe that Brad Stevens would never make a game planning decision during a playoff matchup based on free agency ramifications. I mean, the guy claims he doesn't even know what he's where he's going to be the next day half the time. Yeah. So I really don't think he would make that Political kind of decision. Political speak in a press conference, they're sometimes not as obvious there. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're aware of that. Sure. I, 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 I'm. I'm off. I completely believe it. I mean, it's tough for me this week to just argue forever about this, but it was clear as day after the Saturday regular season game, uh, the final week of the year, that was a third to last game against the year. Salinger could not play against Atlanta with Millsap and Horford. And then it was clear in game one, and then he still tried him again in game one, starting him in the third quarter. I just, I don't know. I, I there, It's either that, or he's an idiot, and I don't believe that Brad Stevens is an idiot. So I'm going to go with the former and, and truly believe that they don't want to ruffle Jared Sullinger's feathers heading into free agency. You don't want to ruffle David Falk's feathers at all because Danny Ainge and David Falk have a great relationship. I just don't think you want to stiff Jared Sullinger over a playoff series where, I mean, if it's a championship season and the championship is on the line, different story, still about a long-term rebuilding. So I'm not going to go with the Brad Stevens is an idiot storyline at all whatsoever. Of course, I mean, you, I would like to see a little more criticism directed towards Brad Stevens instead of just nonstop praise, even though he does deserve it, even though he is one of the three best coaches in the NBA. But he didn't have... He's, he's worshipped to a fault. That he, it, yeah. you're not, it's, like, it's almost as if you're not allowed to criticize him. In no, yeah, you're right. You can't. And I don't know if it's just sort of the, the young internet media type of thing where you know, we just sort of fawn over this type of stuff. But he there... He deserves some criticism for this series. In a way, I brought this up with Chris Villamore on one of the pregame shows where I thought he was always on the defensive because he just didn't have the chess pieces. I mean, I don't think Budenholzer was playing chess while Brad Stevens was playing checkers. I just think Budenholzer was throwing rooks and knights and bishops at him while Brad Stevens had a couple of pawns and he was bouncing his king all over the board trying to stay out of check. But he didn't have the best night coaching in Game 5. You brought it up in your recap on CLNS Radio and Celtics blog, a 2-3 zone against Atlanta, but there's a lot to that too. I mean, I was even thinking maybe the guys were tired and he couldn't, you know, he's saving them, saving their legs by having them play a two, three zone. I know you were, you, you mentioned that you're going after Isaiah Thomas's defense. Give Brad Stevens a great, we're going to do that. Give Brad Stevens a grade for this series. At A minus because of That's what high. the hell was he going to do That's with high, all yeah. those guys? I mean, the guys that he relies on Crowder. I mean, we know Isaiah Thomas was hurt as well. And frankly, I thought his performance was pretty phenomenal, at least on the offensive end, considering how tired he was. And I know I I did pick on Isaiah's defense, and I wrote an article after Game 5 about uh, his really just like his lack of of uh, awareness on defense and And effort. effort. And I think that was as much – I I think I don't – in hindsight, I don't question my article. But, of course, seeing how beat up he was after Game 6, I think it became more apparent that fatigue was an issue. And he was just really – he had to just save as much energy as possible for the offensive end. It doesn't negate the fact that he kind of just sat there and stared at half of the – crucial fast break and transition plays that um, that were made by Atlanta during those massive runs that ended their season, basically. And that's still a huge problem. And if Isaiah wants to be great, you know, he talked to, and this is something that I know you probably care about more than anybody. He talked about at the exit interviews about how he's going to overhaul his diet and stop eating fast food, like a young kid with money, as he put it. And uh, that's probably the, if you had money, probably you the best fast outcome. food. I don't get that. But I, I know. Really, yeah. It's like, why would you keep going to Chipotle? You can make, you're going to have a chef make you a much better, burrito at home but he can 
use that as a kind of like a template and motivation and feel as he kind of described it that he knows that if he wants to be a great player he needs to be able to have the energy in game six to not only be an unstoppable force on offense whose usage is through the roof but to also be able to be constantly effective on defense because Isaiah I think at this point probably recognizes that if he wants to be a great player that means he's going to have to play some decent defense and while he's tiny He, one, can fight around screens because of his incredible agility and acceleration. And two, half of defense is just constantly being aware of where you are and and being able to move and keep up with the offense. So even if he's going to get physically dominated at times by bigger guards or guys, you know, even guys like Jeff Teague, if he just has the awareness and the energy to be as as into it on defense as he is on offense, then that's going to make him good enough that he'll be really the elite player that he wants to be. Outside of Game 3, he really never really had a great offensive game in this series. Do you really put anything into, now that he's played two playoff series, he had the, the Celtics, do you put anything into teams have the time to key on key in on him and the Celtics don't have many other great players and the other players that they did have are pretty banged up and injured? That's a story for another day. I would love to talk about this with Bob as well as how much of this team was out of gas and I don't just I'm not I'm not big on that. I think people deserve a little blame in that you have a bunch of players in their mid twenties that are out of gas in a first round series. But do you put any I don't know oomph on the fact that Isaiah Thomas has had two fairly lackluster playoff postseason series here with the Celtics in his brief career? It, it obviously it's concerning, but I really see the team as the bigger issue in that Isaiah is pretty much alone as an offensive player. And if Jay Crowder was healthy, we saw the way that they were able to play off of each other. It opened up so much for Isaiah just because Crowder was such a threat that whenever Isaiah would get smothered, he could find Crowder. And Crowder was, it would be Crowder pretty much admitted that he was kind of devastated that he was hurt for the series and he fought as hard as he could, but he understood that he was limited. And they can come back next year with, of course, with Crowder being improved and some of these other guys being improved. But they need they need another guy that can attract the defense's attention. Because Isaiah, frankly, as the teams get deeper into these series, as we saw with Cleveland in games three and four last year, and we saw with Atlanta in games five and six this year, the teams at a certain point in the series, they've basically they've given the rest of the offense on the Celtics a, ch- a chance to prove themselves. They, for the most part, don't. And then Atlanta says in Atlanta and Cleveland, they both decide, you know what, we're just going to trap Isaiah for almost every single possession and we're going to make somebody else come and try to bail him out. And the Celtics didn't have a guy that could really do that. No one because made a shot. It was Marcus Smart coming up back at like the half court line trying to get a trying to get like a back pass from Isaiah. And then once he had the ball, they couldn't really make another play. And they need a guy that can be able to get that ball and then drive into the paint and make something happen. And Marcus, he tried and he did a decent job, especially in uh, in game five, uh, I mean game six. But he can't really make his shots yet. And that's a big thing he's going to have to work on this summer. But they just don't have it yet. And that's why with the injuries that happened to them, they weren't able to win. I think that they could have won, and then they would have gone against Cleveland and gotten their butts kicked. But that would have been, been that closer been than last year. Uh. I think it would have been closer than last year, but it probably would have been five to six games. You know, I think Atlanta can definitely go six games with uh, with Cleveland. I think that they're just they're the kind of team that they can play they can play really well. Every I think single Atlanta's game, the Cleveland's second best team in the conference. Yeah, they are. They definitely are. There's no I, question, especially I, with Toronto having their usual Toronto playoff uh, performance. No, I I think Atlanta's the second-best team in the conference. I thought the Celtics got a bad draw. They got a raw deal. They should have been the third seat. They had the best. I, I that was I was 
I was operating under that assumption. They got a raw deal with a draw. I think Atlanta's the second-best team in the conference. I thought they proved that against the Celtics. And in a way, I thought the Celtics had a pretty good showing when you consider the injuries. I'm more upset about the fact of the injuries. I just mentioned it briefly with you. I could turn this into a show for another day. It's going to upset the audience of me bringing it up again because it's going to go exactly back to where it goes. But I'm not a, I think there are people to blame in the fact that you have a bunch of players in their mid-20s and this team could not make the finish line. You had half the team all banged up. But we're not banged up. We're going to go 52 weeks of the year. Jared Weiss with the audio and video coverage on the YouTube channel as well as other podcasts that he does, as well as his written material on Celtics blog and clnsradio.com. That is Jared Weiss of CLNS Radio. Follow Jared on Twitter at CLNS underscore Jared Weiss. Back with Bob Ryan after this, you are listening to CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio video coverage of the Boston Celtics. Hey, this is Larry H. Russell here, critically acclaimed author and host of Celtics Beat. And I'm privileged to be joined by Daryl Conant, former U.S. Olympic Committee strength coach and one of the leading strength and condition specialists in America. Daryl, thanks so much for being here. It's great to be here, Larry. Thank you. Daryl, you're a student of the legendary bodybuilder Vince Gironda. Tell me a bit more about Vince. Vince Gironda was considered the pioneer of pure natural bodybuilding. His training methods and nutritional concepts are still being incorporated in many gyms throughout the world today, and I had the privilege myself of having him as my mentor. How can we learn more about the methods of the Iron Guru? As a student of Vince Gironda, I always wanted to give back to Vince in some way. I wrote a book entitled Invincible that depicts many of Vince's programs and nutritional theories that he taught me. For more information on this book, folks can visit my website at www.darylcurrent.com. Daryl, Vince had so many methods and ideas for achieving optimal health. Care to share any while we're here? One of Vince's most popular nutritional concepts was his recommendation of eating organic, grass-fed beef to build muscle. Organic red meat is loaded with nutrients necessary for building quality muscle. As Vince would always say to me, you must eat the type of food that the muscle is made out of, red meat. Get on that path of effortless fat loss and optimal health by following the appropriate nutritional methods. And get it from the country's leading organic meat brand, American Farmers Network at AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. Episode number 155 of Celtics Beat with special guest Bob Ryan is brought to you by Casper. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. They're revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the costs of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing that savings directly to the consumer. Made right here in the U.S. of A., a Casper mattress provides long-lasting comfort and support as I know from personal experience. I've never used a mattress this soft and this comfortable. You can buy it easily online and completely risk-free because Casper understands the importance of truly trying out a mattress that in all reality you spend a third of your life on. Casper offers free delivery and painless returns within a 100-day period so you don't have to lie down in a showroom. Studies have now proven lying on a bed in a showroom has no correlation to whether it is the right bed for you. Get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king-size mattress, an unbelievable deal compared to industry standards that cost thousands upon thousands of dollars. You can save an additional $50 as one of our audience members by going to casper.com slash Celtics and entering the promo code Celtics. That's casper.com slash Celtics and promo code Celtics. Terms and conditions apply. Back 
here on Solid Speed on CLNS Radio, and we will waste no time getting into today's featured guest <coughs> segment, Bob Ryan, sports columnist, emeritus of the Boston Globe, and of course, author of many, many great books. Much of our Celtic-centric audience has read them, including Larry Briard's autobiography, Drive. The one that's sitting above my desk, literally right now, I'm looking right at a Boston Celtics, and of course, Mr. Ryan's smashing memoirs describe my life in sports, still available at your local bookstores and the usual online outlets. Not released too long ago as a paperback as well as an audiobook. Does, Bob, does anyone here have any idea who said audiobook was narrated by? Uh, yeah, I, that would be me. So, I, I was fine. That was the first time, obviously, I've ever done anything like that, and it was an interesting experience, and um, I'm very happy that they thought I was the one to do it. I thought I could provide, provide the proper inflections. That was a big thing I worried about. And, uh, and so it worked out very well. It was a very, it was a very uh, uh, nice little thing to do. That's Bob Ryan's memoirs, Scribe, available as an audiobook. Our loyal listeners can also grab it for themselves as part of a free 30-day trial with Audible. Just log on to audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. Now actually would it be a bad time to do it, too. Time to get, begin some summer reading, but not too long. There's a little moratorium here, Bob. I mean, not usual for an offseason where a season ends. Kind of getting right back into this thing as fans with a draft lottery on May 17th, just a hair over two weeks away. That's the great uh, carrot uh, being dangled in front of the fans is, of course, the Brooklyn pick and where it might wind up. And it could be as high as one, uh, more, uh, you know, could be as low as, you know, you don't even think about that. Probably five, I would say. It's, it's six. So they're going to pick, the, the, yeah, okay, six. So there you go. Um, that's nice. And, and whether you would want a player there or whether Danny uses that as a chip, uh, as he did back in 07, I don't know. But uh, there's obviously lots of options for him. But it's exciting. It gives you something to chew on over the next couple of weeks. Sure, the ending was disappointing. And it was hot the last couple of games. In the last game, they could not shoot. Uh, that wasn't them. They're better than that. Uh, and, and it would have been nice to have Bradley and have a healthy Olenek. But they didn't. That's life. So uh, it was a disappointing ending. But anybody that isn't satisfied with the season – based on what we saw coming in, is, is a hopelessly hard marker. I'm very happy as a fan with the season. That's been the big talking point, a lot of talking point memos on the on the talk shows. They, the, is this season a success? Is it not a success? We, we, we know it's a success with you. I said it's a success with me. But I think the most fun way to do this, going to get your little red ink out, Mr. Ryan, Professor Ryan. How about grade the Celtics season – the semester began October 26th against Philadelphia, and it ended Thursday night. Throw a grade on the season. Uh, so based on my expectations, uh, they won 40 last year. I said 45 is my over-under, uh, and they won 48. So for me, I give them a, a B plus. Uh, I think they maxed out. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to be realistic about who they are, what they have to work with. And when they had all their components – and they need them all. They need that 10 deep. They need to be able to change things up, bring in certain people, uh, and, and get a new, a new look and all that. Uh, right down to, you know, there was game, there was a long stretch when, say, for example, Zeller didn't play at all. Then he came off the bench one night and had a big game. Uh, I mean, they have a, they, they didn't, they had a lot of useful players. And, uh, of course, the ascendancy of Isaiah to become a star, to become a, an all-star legitimately deserving a place in that game uh, and, and asserting himself as one of the fine little point, fine point guards in the league, that was a big plus this season. A, a lot of pluses, uh, I think, individually. Of course, Jay Crowder, who I think is a, a, you know, a steal uh, from Dallas, that was a wonderful addition. Uh, Smart, who had that great game in the playoffs, uh, he's always going to be a uh, challenged offensive player, just to, to be polite. I still think he might turn into a, a, a poor man's Dennis Johnson before he's done if he keeps working on his shot. That's a but he just things. I used. 
he does things for you that you cannot teach. And I love guys like that. So uh, overall, maybe that's excessive. Maybe I'm a maybe it's a gut course you're taking with me. But I I'm happy. I mean, 48. Come on. Uh, I think it, I think they did very well. That's how I do it. I'm keeping it simplistic too. I look at it as this. I give it a flat A for the regular season. I mean, 48 wins the regular season. The development individually, you hit the nail on the head of almost every single player. Maybe besides Marcus Smart's offensive game, you want to see a little bit more on that end of the floor, especially for a six overall pick in the draft. But they get a big A for me in the regular season. Playoffs, I thought they, I mean, when you look at it against Atlanta, they were banged up, although I just had Jared Weiss on a little earlier. I'm I'm a little frustrated in that this is a team in their mid-20s, and they were banged up in the first round of the playoffs. I don't like how this team was out of gas. But they matched up, I thought, pretty well with Atlanta, who I just said it with Jared. I believe they're the second-best team in the Eastern Conference. I mean, I don't know if you, you sort of come down on that. I think they're the second-best team in the conference. And I thought they played pretty well against them. I mean, maybe – so I give the playoffs more like a B-minus, and then you bring – that down to a B plus, so I'm with it with a B plus. But mm-hmm. were you okay with the effort level in at times in games five and six? Maybe if it was effort level, maybe the team was legit because I thought they were gassed at the end there. Well, I, I didn't question effort. I, I, I certainly, uh, uh, you know, halftime of of uh, even halftime of game six, forty one thirty three, they hadn't shot. You kept thinking, no, oh, maybe they'll shot. They'll start defensively. It wasn't what you wanted to see in right. game five. No, there, there were there were too many. I have a mind's eye of. Baskets, uh, easy baskets for Atlanta, no question. And then Corver got hot, and when he does, you know, what are you going to do? But uh, um, yeah, they could have played better. But I'm not going to say effort necessarily, just execution, whatever. I'm not. I'm not. Dis- uh, I, I, I would seldom fault them in, in that score. I'm, uh, they were, so I'm not going to go there. Yeah, I mean, it looks on paper, it's always going to look like they were completely, you know, taken apart in the last two games. Of, uh, and and uh, you know. They, they were overwhelmed. There's no question. They were, it was over after after the uh, uh, fourth game, and and they they had a maximum effort at, at, at home in Boston to save face and to and to give us a little hope. Uh, Thomas had the great 42 point game, uh, and Smart had that wonderful game when he comes off the bench. He guards Millsap, shuts him down. It's a couple of back to back threes, which is uh, where that come from, and and made big plays. And and you know it's in him somewhere. So. I'm going to think about that a lot in the offseason. I'm going to think about what he still can be. I'm thinking it's only his third year coming up. He's still a very young ball player. That's the one thing that I look at with Smart. I brought it up a lot with him is that you know he's so committed. He has the drive, and it's just going to be a question. I think I brought it up with you because this was the case with Antoine Walker was he never did a <laughs> goddamn thing in the offseason. He, he wouldn't put any effort into making himself better in the offseason. I'm hoping that Smart's – commitment to the game or perceived commitment to the game that we see as watching these games and how hard he plays that maybe that leads him to practicing a little bit harder and to becoming I don't want to say a complete player I'm not sure mm-hmm. you'll ever see that all-star uh, stalwart but I think that you're right Dennis Johnson as Bill Walton once said he was the best overall guard pre-Magic Johnson in the late 1970s so that was that's a pretty that's high praise but he should, if he does round himself out offensively, and he's got a lot to, 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 I mean, he's got to do the whole thing, driving to the basket, not getting a shot blocked, getting the free throw line, outside shot, mid-range shot, finishing around the hoop. I mean, it's, it's, it's the whole kebab on that end of the floor with him. But I just hope with him it's just the case of the guy is fanatically driven enough to get better in the mm-hmm. offseason. I mean, well, I hope so, too. And, and, 
and I'm just thinking as we talk, because I hadn't really specified in my mind the comparison uh, in terms of uh, performance in the playoffs, but you, I'm sure you're well aware that in Game 7 in 1978, Dennis Johnson was 0 for 14. And, and in Game uh, and then, uh, 1979, he was the MVP, uh, in, which in, in addition to scoring 20 points a game in, in the uh, playoffs, five games, he blocked 14 shots from the guard position in, in five games. That was one of the most amazingly destructive. I call it destructive. He's the only destructive defensive guard I ever saw was Dennis Johnson at his peak. This kid has that same physical capability. Does he have the Dennis Johnson moxie and the all drive? I don't know. Good question. Which leads me, before you even get there, to the flip side. I got a vent. Ready for a vent? God. I don't know how many times I have defended Sullinger. Pleaded, a lot pleaded on the case, show. A lot on the show. Pleaded the case for Sullinger. Uh, stated the positives of Sullinger. I am about ready to write him out of the will. I don't understand why he doesn't want to be great. And and he, I just doesn't. He, he, he ought to be better than this. He shouldn't end up the playoffs on the bench. I'm, I don't know where he's coming from. I don't, I don't know. Does he really, really? He may be one of those guys. I'm throwing it out there. I don't know. I have never had a one-on-one. As you know, I'm officially retired. I don't hang around these guys. I watch them play. And But he's a son of a coach. He's clearly intelligent. I don't know if basketball is all that's on his mind. I mean, not all, but, you know, does he he's want got it a high, he's, he's got a high basketball IQ. I don't know if he's got a high enough real-life IQ, if he's smart enough to, to know what how much is at stake for him. Well, I don't know if he can. Yeah, does he care, understand what's a, yeah, what, what he could accomplish? But, I mean, I just don't get it. I, I made this statement before the season, what I, what I wish he would have done. They Paul Silas. Get out and spend Paul Silas. Go spend a week with Paul Silas, or at least two hours. And Paul Silas talk to him and explain where he was three or four years into his career. And when he made the commitment to stop just being a big whale that belted people but, but had great hands and feet and got rebounds at will and, and become a great player by going and losing 30 pounds and transforming himself into a, into a, into a different kind of a player while still maintaining his core as talent. I don't know that that's possible to replicate, but I don't know that Sullinger is even given that a thought. It's tough, too, because every time I think about it, I mean, this is, I just talked about it with Jared. I'm like, this is going to be the lasting memory of Jared Sollinger is that he, he was essentially benched for the final, the, 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 la, the last playoff series. He will be likely as a Celtic. So this is our lasting memory of him. But there were so many times over the course of the year where he's, I mean, he was still rebounding. And this team really doesn't have any rebounding from anyone else from the other 14 guys on the roster, you do know too, Bob, that he's going to cost fifteen million dollars per season to keep. It's going to be fifteen million. Well, I mean that. I'll drive you to the airport. Yeah, you, that's not even. That is not even a thought to entertain for five seconds. You, uh, give me. I'll drive him to the airport. Go ahead. Good luck. Go ahead. I mean that's absurd. That that that's just. Forget it. It's not happening here. Anybody that does it, good luck to them. Yeah, it's just because of the new salary cap, and you know he yeah, does know. qualify as an average starter, so it is probably going to be fifteen million dollars. All right, well, we, goodbye, <laughs> goodbye. I'll, I'll, I'll go with Jarebko. We'll, we'll, we'll go from there. That's fine. Well, they get a lot of draft picks too. I like to think they could do a little bit better than Jarebko as well. <laughs> I know. Well, actually, but he turned out to be better than I thought. I didn't know how good he was. He's not bad. He's a nice component. He's a good location a player on a good a team. Compo- I, I like that. A component. A component. A component. I want to shift to this because I brought this up with Jared Weiss in the earlier segment, and there was a lot of talk about it after game five. And I don't know why. I mean, I don't say I don't know why. I didn't think that he had the best series coaching, and I said, I, you know, it's a little because he gets so much praise. You just can't criticize him. And I know you know where you're going, but 
Brad Stevens coaching, I, I said with you know with Jared, I mean the guy was constantly on the defense. He always had to counter what Atlanta was doing because they sort of dictated everything in this series because they were the better team. But yeah. how would you come down on a, on the job Stevens did coaching? If you want to stick with the great well, thing, actually, I, I asked Brad this too, but go ahead. Oh, I actually, I don't think he gets any lower to B plus. He he made a biggest move when he had that smart decision when he shook up the lineup and started Jarepko. I mean, come on, that was good. Uh, the Two only thing, uh, you, you know, he's Atlanta in Game Five. He's he's going to have to he's going to have to you know live with the idea that Thomas got hurt when he shouldn't have been on the floor. And and I you know I think it's a lesson he'll learn and never make a dumb mistake like that again. But uh, you know, I, I, that that. That was the problem. There's no doubt. He's have to, and I hope he's uh, looks up responsibility for that. But uh, beyond that, I don't have a quibble, uh, a major quibble. I'm, I'm, I'm drinking. I'm still sloping the Kool-Aid, not sipping. Oh, get in so, line there you go. for that. Get in line right. for that. Well, I'm in. I'm there. I'm right in the middle of the line. <laughs> you're going to you're gonna have to start I'm throwing happy. the $10 bills up to the Nobody's perfect. Hey, Pop, hey, the greatest coach of our time made a major tactical error that cost his team a championship, Greg Popovich, Tim Duncan, not on the floor. So Forget come on, uh, you know, that you cannot judge coaches on that. You don't judge managers on a pinch hit striking out or, or, or a reliever that, uh, or Craig Kimball giving up a game winning, losing Homer. You don't judge them on that at all. I don't, that's not the way to judge them. So, um, you know, uh, that, that's not the way to judge at all. And, uh, uh, I, it's the overall preparation, the day in, the day out, the, 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 and, and then when, so every once in a while you make a, a bold move and it may or may not work out. That lineup change was significant, and, and not everybody would have done it, and he did it. And so I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm sorry. I, got, I'm, I don't think that of any problem that they have, the last, and I mean the last, is, is uh, the coach. The coach is the greatest asset right now. Yeah, there were just a few things that he did in Game 5. I don't think it would have made a difference, but I also think a lot of it had to do was just the condition of the team. Like the two three, the, the switch to the 2-3 zone in Game 5 just made didn't really make sense whatsoever. But you alluded to this, of course, the injuries on the team, and I've been frustrated for this for a long time, and I, I think you pretty much insinuated where you were going. You think they probably should have rested some guys down the stretch, those final three games against, especially coming out from that West Coast trip. They had injured guys. Do you really think they should probably, probably you know, Crowder, mm, no. Isaiah should have gotten a few well, breather? I mean, no, I didn't think that was the issue. I mean, see, I thought we both soon were started with the same premise here. I didn't expect to win the series. I'm disappointed because I was hoping, but I'm not surprised. Uh, and I would have said Atlanta in six, exactly the way it turned out. And so um, the better, I thought Atlanta was better. And you mentioned earlier that you thought maybe Atlanta's the second-best team in the conference. That team won 66-0 games last year and, and has its core group back. And baseball is better. And so um, I'm, uh, they're better. I don't have any problem with that. I would have liked to have beaten them, but I think it would have been tremendous. And we wouldn't have any issue about how great the season was. You know how vindicating the season. Uh, nobody would have a, any kind of quarrel. People are disappointed. They thought you got to win the first round to vindicate the season. I, I think that would have definitely done it. Yeah, but I'm I also think that was Jets just talk show driven, like you know, you, yeah. you just put, putting things concretely. It's like, well, you got to win the, the first it, round series because you win the first round. Like the matchup just wasn't there. I think they. I no. think yeah, the matchup. Go ahead. I don't want to. Everybody, just, you know, we all know the irony of, of by winning the last game, they messed up their matchup. And and and. You know, and that, the way it broke, uh, they messed up the matchup. That's a team you didn't want to play. I agree. We all agree to that. And, um, 
it happened. And and then they weren't up to it. And, and they, they shot like, you know, crapola in the last game. It was horrible. It was embarrassing. Because uh, the game before that, they, the, the defense fell apart. And they, I mean, yeah, they made 11 shots in a row, but it, nobody should make 11 shots in a row in an NBA game. So, you know, they have to, you have to give some, some, uh, uh, play a little guilt on the defense there, too. Uh, everything's always a combination of factors. But anyway, um, there, I was thinking about in preparation for where our talk. I honestly believe, and I'm not being Pollyanna, that uh, uh, that that we didn't see the you know we didn't see their best effort. Uh, every, every team's got injuries, I know, but without Bradley, because when when he's hitting his shot, uh, then he's really useful. I mean, because now you always want to get the defense, and Olenek was always an X factor when Olenek was playing a good game. Yeah, but well, they're not losing. And uh, and uh, once he got that shoulder hurt against the Clippers, uh, the rest of the season was a struggle. Struggle. It was either absent or a struggle. If he needs a surgery, get it. I still think he's a, another, my favorite word, component. Now, they got lots of components. They got one quasi-star, one really, really nice player. They, that they would need be the asset. engine and the transmission. They, they need, need they need, they need uh, Jimmy they, Butler. They, they've you know? got, a, they they've got, got a, a lot of wheel cylinders. They need Jimmy Butler or, or somebody like that, uh, or somebody. Yes, because Thomas cannot be expected at five, seven and a half, whatever he really is, to go out there and carry your offense in the playoffs. That's not re- that's not reasonable. Well, on your way to the airport, Bob, you can do an Uber service while you're driving Jarrett to the airport. Maybe you know if you want to kill two birds with one stone, you can drive Jimmy from the airport here if, if you if you want to if you want to. I'll, 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 I'll even wait. Uh, you know, in the. I'll wait for a couple hours, I want, and I'll read out the paperback. That'll Just, be a fine. <laughs> Just a couple hours? Just a couple hours? I'll wait six hours, seven hours. I'll wait all day for Jimmy Butler, yeah. But I, I want to still stick on that because we're now uh, going to the fantasy land. <laughs> that's, that's fun for the talk shows. But I, I want to stick on this not having guys that weren't healthy in the playoffs. I mean, I, I brought this up with Jared. I, I touched on with you. This is still a team in their mid-20s. And I just don't like how they were out of gas in the first round. And they were clearly out of gas in games five and six. That's why their shots weren't falling. They just didn't have any legs. It's why the defense kind of fell apart, I believe, in game five and why the effort level really wasn't there at times in game five. I guess it's just sort of a final thought on my part. If you just look back on it, that that West Coast trip could not have come at a worse time. I know they got the marquee win of the season, which is something that – Historians like yourself, we were always going to remember who was the first team to end Golden State's 54 game winning streak. Why it was the 2016 Boston Celtics on April 1st. But I just still think that Pop does a great job managing that team, and I truly believe San Antonio doesn't just do that discreetly in the sense of, oh, I think you deserve a day off. I think there's a little science behind that, and I'm just not sure the Celtics have that. And I, I'm sorry, as a fan, I'm a little frustrated in that those guys in their mid 20s weren't 100% in mid-April. Well, I'm not going to try to trump you or argue. I'll let you have that one. I haven't given that one second thought. I'll be honest. So you give me something to think about. It's okay? So I'll give you that one. All right. How about this? So shift now. I had this on the agenda. I want to play a little game. This is complete guessing. This is just complete guessing game. You mentioned Jimmy Butler. That's going to be a trade. So we don't have to say a trade for Jimmy Butler. But that's the name. I think... it's a good guess that we are going to be hearing his name attached to the Celtics legitimately. If we haven't already, I know it's been thrown around out there, but if that's the case, give to get something. Exclude the draft picks for a moment. We know the picks are going to be in the trade. The core guys on the team, Crowder, Bradley, if you want to throw Olenek in there, I guess, but 
give me your top three guys who you could see are most likely to be traded. Oh, boy, I hate this. And it's a I guess. It's a it. complete guess. I, you just don't know who's well, coming. Well, I mean, home, it's, it's, I mean, you know, if you're assuming that Thomas is now the ultra keeper that they have, and that Smart is a special thing that you 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 just gotta wait it out. You gotta hope the the offense begins to approximate the defense more often because he's got something you can't teach. I would put him in that. I want to keep him. I'd trade Bradley. You know, I like I think, him. But I you think he's get, the guy. I'd easily, easily trade Bradley. I think he's the most viable commodity. I, I want to keep Crowder, uh, but I'm, I'm getting Butler back. But, um, you know, other than that, I'm listening. You know, Turner, of course, a free agent. And, um, and he's talked him that he'd love to stay. Uh, I don't know how serious he is about the money's not the issue. I have to laugh. They all say that, but it's not true. Um, but, you know, you can, he's nice and he's helped a lot of ways. You're going to have to give something for a player of that nature. So I would just say that the, the only other, you know, Thomas and I want to keep smart. And, uh, and I would certainly want to do my best to keep Crowder, who I really like. And after that, you know, I'm listening. That's all. It's kind I'm of listening. it's kind of fun though because it, this is almost just like 2007 where you developed a, uh, an attachment to some of these guys like an Al Jefferson. You were a big Al Jefferson guy back then. I was. I was. You're right. You're very right. And mine. I'm not. Hey, I'm going to put myself on the line. Mine was Ryan Gomes. I remember Ryan Gomes was a late addition to the Garnett yeah. trade. And I would go, yep. no, you can't put Ryan Gomes. I didn't, I didn't say you can't not pull the trade, but I remember being like legitimately upset. That Gomes was in that trade. Now you look back on it, you absolutely just laugh yourself out of the rooms thinking that you were slightly ticked off that Ryan Gomes was in the Kevin Garnett trade. Because I, I, I was actually worried that that team was too thin. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I think you need Gomes and Delonte West off the bench. And, uh, but I'm totally with you. I think Bradley is most likely the guy, to be the guy to go in either of these blockbuster trades or any trade for that matter because you like to think that the number six overall pick in the draft is going to slide in to that two-guard position. You couple that with the fact that Bradley's a proven veteran. I'd love to see him get first-team all-defense for his sake and, of course, for his trade value's sake, the quote-unquote best perimeter defender in the NBA. But I think his salary is very enticing to a lot of teams in trades as well, in that we just talked about with Jared Sullinger getting $15 million per season because the salary cap going up, you're going to want a, a team, gets an Avery Bradley, the so-called best perimeter defender in the NBA, a, an above-average starter at $8 million. I just think if you put all that together, that, that, yeah, that seems that, to be that, good. That, good. Right, and you're right. The salary does make him enticing. Um, let me throw one at you. Uh, how high are you on Buddy Heels? I'm actually not a college basketball guy. You were so asking the wrong guy. So I got. Oh, wow. I'll bring it right. I mean, I know he's a shooting guy. I know what he does for Oklahoma. And I, I, I mentioned. I mentioned. I, I but how? What about you on Buddy Heal? I saw the highlights of him. I believe it was the Elite Eight game where he was just throwing in three pointers from wherever. I think we had thirty four in the Elite Eight. You give me the the scouting because I know you are the college basketball. Well, I saw him forty. I saw his forty six point game. They earned him a standing ovation on the road. Something you don't see too often. Um, I saw him a lot. Uh, I'd hate to. I hate to see him go to some team, you know, that I don't like. I mean, Lakers. I, I want, I want him, I want him. And I, I know that he's not, he's still considered somewhere maybe eight and beyond. I, but I'm thinking of even in the six. I like him. I, I, I now my, I, my problem is I don't know enough about the Euros, and I know that the Euro crop is extensive, and that the third pick in the draft is a Euro, more than likely. Uh, uh, I, I can't a big guy. And after we, we know one and two is Simmons and, and uh, Ingram. We know that in some order. So uh, I don't know. I'm just asking, you know, here, if you traded, but then again, you'd be trading that pick too. So 
it's a, it's a, if you don't trade that pick, yeah, I'm just you, thinking you, about. You would, you would think he also scored part of the he, Butler. He could be a, yeah, I would. He'd be a big time scorer, perhaps, perhaps Field. He could be. Uh, he's not Curry. Problem with you know here's the problem. Curry has messed up all things for shooting guards for the next twenty years. You know that. You know what I'm saying. He's messed everything up because the standard. He's a standard that will not be matched, and too many. Unfortunate young men are going, are going to think to they be, can just chuck threes anywhere like it's NBA Jam. Well, no, they're going to be judged unfairly because they're not Curry. That's what I'm thinking about more than what now people are going to try to emulate them. I don't, I don't mind guys trying to emulate them, uh, you know, and, 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 and so much as much as I hate the three, I, I'm, I guess I'm going to have to accept that they're not going to fall it out anytime soon. So I'm going to have to live with it the rest of my life, unfortunately. So, you know, that's the game now. And you got to play it. And Celtics need to play it better. No doubt about that. Just so you know, I'm looking at an NBA draft, mock draft. Uh, they have. Who's a, who's a third guy? There's a big center. There's a big guy from you. Big Euro. Bender. Up there high. Bender. Bender. Thank you. That's it. Bender. I don't know the damn thing about him other than he's up there. Well, just so you know, if mock draft, third overall pick, Boston, guess it. But, yeah. Well, it's you buddy, know, I don't know. It's Buddy Hield. Pick him up from the airport. Pick Butler and Bu- Bu- Buddy Heald up from the airport, Bob, while dropping Jared off. If that's okay. All right, all right, all right, uh, all right. Well, we can. I, I can. I can arrange my time to do all these things. Don't worry. <laughs> you become an Uber driver in your in your retirement. You can get some famous people. We're, so we're talking though too about um, all these uh, you know th- these fantasy scenarios, and yeah. it's it's it isn't fueled by talking heads in the media or or people in the dark corners of the internet. I mean, you get Wick Grosbeck. Anytime he has, you know, he gets on the air. He he gets on this show. He comes on this show, and we have two max salary spots. We're the Celtics, and you still like. I don't want to say you can't. I mean, you can't say anything about Wick. But what's he supposed to say? Come on, say you know, give it. It is what yeah. it is, Bill Belichick. But is there? There's such a a oh, the expectations. I guess are just so high for fans. Now with the Celtics, that it's almost like if they replicate last year's offseason and they sign another Amir Johnson type, Amir Johnson part two, it's like they're setting themselves up for fan disappointment. I'm actually not, I, I don't, they're not going to be booed out of the gym, but it, it's almost like this team needs to fill the 55 win title contender next year. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I, I, there's been a progression, but we, everyone understands that this group is maxed out and they need an infusion of, of real talent. More talent, um, and and yeah, the fans. I, I'll say this: the fans uh, have been tremendous. They've made it a a, a, a very very uh, exciting place to go to a game. Uh, they they they're really something now. This 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 generation of fans is is really uh, impressed me. But uh, and they've been patient uh, to a degree. And but I think yeah, you're right. Their their appetite has been whetted, and um, it's going to be a real really challenging offseason for Danny. You know, the, the the afterglow of 08, you know, it's gone now. I mean, let's face it. We went through the six-year or the three-year uh, program, and, and and it could have been as many as three championships, and there certainly I'll always, you know, we, we've got 2010. But um, uh, although, you know, it's funny. I, you probably know this. Doc says that game seven doesn't bother him as much as losing – to Cleveland and the next that uh, uh, when but uh, the next year, year Miami you know, you mean. that that one drives him crazier. He said he, when the LeBron got the forty five, 
we still should have won the game. That's what Doc thinks. Well, because they, well, they, they came out flat as a pancake in that game. I know we have a LeBron's. I mean, we're getting off topic here, but I know LeBron had that great game, unbelievable, one of the best playoff performances in the last thirty years of the NBA, forty-five and freaking fifteen rebounds. But the team came out flat as a pancake game. And, six. and Doc still thinks they and that still crowd that was the himself. best crowd I had ever I'd ever been at for the first five minutes of the game. That place was ready to blow, yep. the, to blow the roof off. Of all the yep. – I went, I went to all the games back then. That crowd that uh, night, a Thursday night game, 8, 8.30 tip, that crowd was ready to go absolutely freaking crazy. And they came out, and they they had nothing from the opening tip. And that, that You're right. That does bother me, although I'm not sure how they would have done against uh, – Anyway, I, 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 I digress, but yeah. your point is well taken. I think fans are um, – they're, they're ready for something more. I don't know how they're going to react if they don't get it. So you're right. That would be interesting to see. They're getting a lot of appetizers, but I think a lot – there's a big thing. If you want to talk about the ultimate fantasy, and we know what it is, and I'll, I'll, I'll finish up on this because it, it is a little funny. But there's also at the same time I believe there is enough legitimacy to this. But people are forgetting all about this now or, or just, I guess, ignorant to it because it's so much about Kevin Durant, what the situations the Celtics have. You forget about the situation Kevin Durant is in now in Oklahoma City, and I say now – because Stephen Curry is out of the playoffs for the foreseeable future. They talk about how he might come back early, blah, 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 blah. But how healthy is he going to be? Uh, and safe to fa- say this Oklahoma City-San Antonio series that's going on right now could very well decide the NBA title. And if they grab this series and they get a decent draw in the second round, God forbid Golden State loses this series without Curry against Portland, more than possible – and Oklahoma City cruises to the finals and takes down a weaker Eastern Conference foe. Durant ain't going anywhere. Well, I always, I, I think I agree with you that this possibility stays. People, uh, are, if he's if he's comfortable with Billy Donovan, and he's gotten over the books thing. Fine, um, he, he and Westbrook can be a potent duo for a long time to come. Um, he's played it well in terms of keeping everybody guessing. You know, no question, and of course. Brooks going to Washington. Oh boy, did that stir a lot of thinking about? Oh wow, whoa, no, I don't no, know. I'm, not sure, I'm not sure about that. But, I mean, but, joining I'm, a, I'm non, a non-playoff people, team, no way. No, I agree. Oh, yeah. But people did. Um, then they're talking about a package. The two of them going to LA. A package. The two of them going to Golden State. Or one of them going to Golden State. Oh, there's all kinds of scenarios. I always like to see the the, the small, the off-market team keep its players. Uh, so I hope I hope he stays right where he is. So obviously, I don't, you know, we certainly don't want him induced into the Eastern Conference, but I, I want to stay right where he is. It's interesting, and I think he's kept uh, uh, you know he kept it done, played it well. And he said nice things about all the girls, including Boston. Uh, you know, you don't think the Knicks still aren't lighting candles or whatever? No, the they, whatever. Have, that, that's the ultimate fantasy for everybody is they're all going to yeah. go to the Knicks but, and, and get the Knicks but, out but of that awful are, title but, drought. But those days are gone. A couple of premises I up, we operated off for 25 years. Somebody would always want to go to New York and do it. Never, never see the Lakers without a good team. And I, I still have a hard time wrapping my head around the concept of a 17 and 65 Lakers team. I just can't do it. I just find it amazing that I never thought there was any possibility that they wouldn't have free agents flocking to LA in, in perpetuity. And it didn't happen. It hasn't happened. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's, that's stunning to me. I don't think me and you would be uh, have our hearts broken if it stays that way for the foreseeable future, though. Uh, but it was fun, though. No, I think for us, uh, yeah, I mean, I had enough of it. I, 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 
I'm not gloating over them as way I would gloat over the Knicks, for example. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, I can. Uh, they, they were out there doing their thing. Boston was out there doing its thing. Uh, they, there was plenty of room for both. But you know, the New York's another matter. I I would much happier be happier seeing New York as a 17 and 65 team for the next 10 years. I, I was the biggest Nick hater growing up. Hate it. And, and and now this title drought is now getting up to re- almost Red Sox territory. I think it's halfway to the way to Red Sox territory. Well, 73. 73. 42 years. Yep, yeah, again, now one more year. Get, one, wait, get, I, you, I, know get, you know what it's getting to? New York Rangers can we territory. Go on? It's 54 with the Rangers from, yeah. from 1940 to 1994. Yes, that's uh, it. But I love the idea that the garden is dark in New York at, at uh, 33rd and 8th. Uh, it's dark most nights now, you know, unless they got like a, you know, Irish tenors or something, you know. So, uh, uh, yeah, and the thing is, it's a Jimmy Dolan thing. Is there, is there a more swarmy, despicable owner and left in the league now that uh, Donald T is gone? I don't think so. <laughs> Donald T. It actually made you maybe think, oh, that that Donald T. That Donald T. Yeah. <laughs> that Donald yeah. T. Bob Ryan, sports columnist, emeritus of the Boston Globe. Check out his memoirs, scribe, hardcover, and paperback at your local bookstore, as well as the usuals online, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, wherever. Definitely grab them if you haven't already. And, of course, as you know by now, as an audiobook narrated by Bob himself on Audible. And, hey, one last shout-out. You can follow Bob on his Twitter. Not sure, 140 characters or less gives him justice, but good enough. So give Bob at Globe, Bob Ryan, a follow to see if it's your cup of tea. Mr. Ryan, a pleasure, as always. And that's fun, Ryan. Very good. Do it again. We will wrap up today's show after we pause for station identification. You're listening to CLNS Radio, home to the original Celtics podcast, Celtics Stuff Live. Okay, you just heard Justin Poulin, co-host of Celtics Stuff Live, alongside John Duke, draft guru and college basketball savant John Duke, for years. That show has been one of the go-to stops, not just for Celtics fans, but basketball fans in general, the best draft talk around, of course, you know, they have their draft shows, great draft shows they've had over the years, and that's, that's going to come back. But still, quite some time to go here before the end of June. You hear a lot about this guy's great with college prospects, or go to that website, or, or get this draft guide. I'm telling you, this guy right here hosting this podcast knows absolutely less than nothing about college hoops. Really stopped watching it all together after 2012, primarily because... Danny didn't use one of those first-rounders on Draymond Green. That was my guy. I wanted Damian Janes the year before, so that was a whiff. But the year after was 2012. Draymond was my guy. You can have my word on that. And after that, after they didn't pick him, I was like, you know what? I'm I'm not going to let this bother me anymore. So that's kind of when I stopped watching college because it was sort of fruitless in that regard. And I just ended up letting my ignorance become bliss. So that way I don't get ticked off when the Patriots or the Celtics don't pick a player who I desperately want in the draft. There's nothing because there's nothing I can do about it. I really wish I could tell the people what I can't. But in the lead up, and you really want to learn about these prospects, Boston's opportunities are what they've got, and you can do so by listening to these upcoming Celtics Stuff Live podcasts. I'm sure they may get things kicked off tomorrow. Again, Celtics Stuff Live is released on CLNSRadio.com at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, and it is powered by CLNS Radio, and it is available on the CLNS Radio mobile app, along with all of our great content, as CLNS Radio is the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. So therefore, download the CLNS Radio mobile app to not miss shows like Celtics Stuff Live. Maybe shuffle your way through the post-game shows now that the season's ended. Relive some of the past games of the season. Same thing with the guard report. We just had Jared on. 
And, of course, this show right here, right? The number one podcast on the web dedicated to the NBA's winningest franchise, which this week has come to its conclusion. But we'll be back next week and throughout the entire offseason. No rest whatsoever. We can put a wrap one on this. Episode number 155 of Celtics Beat. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Will Rock. Bit Symphony. Beethoven. Steph Legrato. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our total handle is Celtics underscore beat. And you can like Celtics beat on CLNS radio on Facebook to keep up with the show at facebook.com slash Celtics beat. Also Google plus Celtics beat on CLNS. Love to thank our guests. We just had him on Bob Ryan, the Boston Globe. Thanks so much for stopping by yet again. Also Jared Weiss of the network for checking in as well. Most importantly, our audience for tuning in yet another week. A shout-out to the sponsors today, SeatGeek, American Farmers Network, and Casper. Thank you for all the support. You two provide this show. For our staff writer, Eddie Santiago, the founder of the network, Nick Gelso, and myself, the executive producer and host of Celtics Beat, I'm Larry H. Russell. See you next Sunday for another edition of Celtics Beat, powered by CLNS Radio.